With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. Fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Maybe on Bell. Touchdown. Big return for Crowder. And he's going to go all the way. Touchdown. 85 yards. Looking downfield. Fires this one. And intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to recap day number 18 of New York Jets training camp at Florham Park by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, before we start, is there anything you want to tell me? You've been doing anything you shouldn't be doing off the field? Maybe something that could cause a suspension? I've got a schedule to get together for the beginning of the season. I need to know these things ahead of time because I have to plan accordingly. If I have to go out and sign some second and third string beat reporters, you got to let me know about this in advance. Hey, listen, you you said it. I'm the owner, operator, and everything. No, I, I'm I'm the boss. No, nobody's testing me for anything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to worry about getting tested, so I, I'm good. I'm obviously bringing this up because first it was Chris Herndon with the DUI, so me saying about doing things off the field you shouldn't be doing, and now it's Brandon Copeland who gets a four-game suspension for performance-enhancing drugs, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Brandon Copeland is a gigantic loss. It's not like I'm sitting here telling you that Leonard Williams is gone or that Jamal Adams is gone, but... It's worth remembering that Brandon Copeland was second on the team in sacks. He was slotted to be a starter. And even if he's a below-average starter at arguably the second-weakest position on the team, because I think we would all agree that corner is the weakest position, it's still a big subtraction because even if you want to argue that Luva will step in and be right around as good as Copeland would be, now you have no depth behind Luvu. We don't know exactly what we're going to get out of Ja'Kai Polite yet, so you can't really count on him. Chris, as I said, it's not catastrophic, but it isn't good. Yeah, it's funny because we, we talk about this a lot with uh, you know how fans overrate a lot of their own players, but then sometimes they, they will, like, if a player is not an all-pro, they kind of underrate them too. Because uh, I agree with you, losing Copeland for four games – isn't the end of the world. It's not. It's not the worst thing. But he's 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 definitely better than the reaction that a lot of people seem to be having right now, which is just like, oh, who cares about him? Like, no, he's 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 pretty. He's all right, man. And like, he had a good season last year. He does some good things well. And because of how thin they are at that position, he's he's 
you know, got some importance. Now, it's again, he's Brandon Copeland. He's not anywhere near Pro Bowl level, and they're gonna be. It's not gonna. They're not gonna be losing games because he's not there. But uh, but you know they just lost Avery Williamson, and then they lose him. This is gonna change the way that Greg Williams runs the offense. Uh, runs the defense, especially for the first four weeks. It's going to have an impact on this team. Whether you notice it or not is one thing, but Greg Williams is going to notice that. I tell you, I can promise you that. If I had to make a comparison, Chris, I would say this is similar to if Daryl Roberts were to get hurt. He's not a great player. He's not even a guy that necessarily should be starting on a decent team, but he's all they've got, and so losing him with the lack of depth that they have behind him would have been pretty bad at this point. I see similar thing for Copeland. Again, I would argue that the outside linebackers are slightly better than the corners who are an even bigger mess, but I would say it's kind of similar to if they had lost Darrell Roberts. Yeah, it it is. It's uh it's it's a little bit different because like you just said, the cornerbacks are more of a mess and Darrell Roberts, at least the training camp, has been the only one that's been like consistent and like yeah he's gotten beat don't get me wrong but he's he hasn't been getting embarrassed out there and even though Trumaine Johnson's been in and out of playing and he's he's had his moments he's gotten a bunch of interceptions in training camp he's gotten beat badly a whole bunch of times so Daryl Roberts is like the one guy on that cornerback group that's looked competent throughout the entire camp but yeah, that, that just like you said, that's this cornerback situation is a much bigger mess. But um, but yeah, that's that's a fair comparison there. It's about the same level. Play like a jet. Play like a jet with your host Scott Mason. Chris, do you think that the fact that Copeland was playing late in these preseason games is mostly because the Jets already knew that this was coming? Because some have suggested, and Rich Semini of ESPN is one of them, and I'm not trying to single Rich out, but he is one of the people that was talking about this. He suggested that Copeland wasn't a lock to make the roster, which is news to me. Pretty sure it's news to you. I suspect that he was going to be the starter like we all thought he would be, and they were doing this because they knew that he was going to be missing the first four games of the season. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I think. Um, and, uh, you know, watching him play it deep into the game the other night. Uh, but, like, the the whole first couple weeks of camp, he was starting with the run ones, and he was looking good. There was no reason for him to be, uh, to be dropped down. And the teams and the player always know this is coming before it comes. They always know – uh, you know, a week or two beforehand. So now it all makes sense why why Luvu started getting a lot more reps, why Jukai Polite probably got some more reps, why that, uh, you know, he got a bunch more. Because just like we talked about with Herndon, uh, that Herndon was going to be playing later than the starters because he's going to miss those first four games. So they need to get him some extra work to to get him up to speed. And it's the same thing here. So that now that makes all the sense in the world. And um, yeah, again, he was he was running so much with the ones until about a week ago, and that's about when you would expect. And then you see the announcement that Copeland had on uh, Instagram. He didn't he didn't like just come up with that right as the, the happened. He, he knew this was happening and the Jets knew this was happening. They've been planning for it. Frankie Louvu is definitely the starter now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, this we could talk about too, cause 
I think when they're in a 3-4, it's going to be Luvu out there. But I also think you're going to see so much more 4-3. Obviously, you're going to see a, a lot of nickel. And we're, we'll talk about this more in a little bit too. But I think you'll see a lot of quarters, a lot of three safety sets out there as well. Like I said, this, this is going to change how Greg Williams uh, designs his defense right now. Uh, it has to. With Avery Williamson out, um, they're, they're going to tweak that because of that Copeland missing the first four games, they're going to tweak something. So I could, I expect to see a lot more four, three and some more quarter sets thrown in there as well. Let's talk about this. Indeed, Chris, some three safety looks. So you were alluding to some things that Greg Williams may do differently. Now with this defense, they were starting to do it a little bit on Sunday, at the green and white. You have to figure that a lot of the reason for that at the time was because of Avery Williamson now with Copeland gone, it gives them even more reason. Jamal Adams coming up a lot in this practice. And I'm thinking that Greg Williams realizes that outside of the defensive line, it's going to be hard to get pressure on the quarterback. So I think he may deploy Jamal Adams as a blitzer a lot more than people think he will. Should we be reading into this or am I flying a little off the handle? Well, this is the thing. It's... It's not it's not quite as simple as you just put it and it it, it you know things in, in football never are as simple as we like to make it out to be. I I do agree with a lot of what you're saying. I also think it just probably has a lot more to do with Marcus May being back on the practice field without any limitations. I think that no matter what happened even with Avery Williamson and if Copeland where both they were healthy and not suspended, I think you'd probably still see three uh, safety sets. It's not like this is something Greg Williams has never done before, but it doesn't really make sense for them to waste their time doing that by using somebody who they're probably not expecting to get a lot of playing time. And now that they have Jamal, uh, Marcus May and Rontez at their service. Now they can start working with that a little bit more. Um, I, I do agree with Jamal's point. I also I would say that it's probably not solely and blitzing things, but maybe more of just letting Jamal kind of freelance mm-hmm. and do his own thing there. And then you have you know Rontez and uh, and Marcus in the back there to cover up for him. Uh, but, yeah, you're going to see a lot more of that. You're going to see more of uh, Terrell Basham probably. He's probably a lot to make this roster at, at least for the first four weeks now. So you're going to see him coming up with different ways to try to scheme and get at the quarterback. But I, I do expect Jamal to blitz probably a little bit more than um, people were thinking a couple weeks ago. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Going into training camp, We thought that Avery Williamson would be a starting linebacker for this team. Now he will not be. We thought that Brandon Copeland was going to be a starting linebacker for this team. Now he's not going to be for the first four games. One guy that we were pretty sure was going to be a starter going into the season, and unless something bad happens, knock on wood, let's hope not, he's definitely going to be a starter on opening day, and that is C.J. Mosley. Had himself a pretty nice day today, including a one-handed interception against the scout team. Yeah, uh, scout team, uh, Trevor Simeon throwing the ball, but it was a really impressive play by him. Uh, that one hundred cat, yeah, it was it was really nice. So, yeah, you know, listen, I'm not breaking news by telling you C.J. Mosley is good, but it was a re- really impressive play. And once again, he was all over the place today. Uh, um, you know, losing Avery Williamson hurts, but 
they're gaining CJ Mosley still. So uh, they're going to be okay there. Let's stick with the defense here and talk about the corners. Arthur Millette was back today. I suppose that's good because when you have a cornerback situation as bad as the Jets, anything helps. But Tavon Vaughn was ahead of him with the first team, and Alex Brown got some looks with the first team. How did those three guys look today? Not great. Um, it was pretty <laughs> simple. But again, um, I, I'm not reading anything into the first team. It, it, it was most, mostly scout stuff today. So it's really hard to gauge what they're doing. Um, sometimes you'll see players that uh, – uh, you know, they kn- they have no intention of actually playing, but they assume the roles of somebody on the other team. Um, so it- it's hard to read uh, too much into any of this stuff. But uh, pretty much, again, all the corners, with the exception of Daryl Roberts, got beat today. Uh, there-, there was a bunch of it today. Robbie was beating people. Quincy was beating people. Uh, Josh Bellamy. Uh, it-, it-, it was not good. a good day for the quarterback group. And it sounds like Alex Brown in particular had a rough day. Trevor Simeon victimizing him on a long touchdown pass to Sharon Peak. Yeah, Peak was wide open. I mean, wide open on that play. And uh, yeah, it, it was a rough day for him. And like I said, the, the rest of that cornerback group, except for Daryl Roberts. But uh, yeah, it was it was ugly out there. It, it was it was uh, not a, a sight to see if if you really want good quarterback play. Let's talk a little offense now, Chris, and we'll start with some good news. Brandon Shell was back. Yep, Shell was back. Um, Osemele Os- was was doing uh, more work too, so they seem to be progressing. Uh, it, it was more individual stuff for Osemele, but Shell was back out there. Um, he, you know, again, scout team stuff, but he looked good out there. Didn't seem to be. Uh, hobbled or to be struggling with any injury stuff. So that's obviously a good sign. Um, you know, it's also good that Adoga got a lot of time while Shell was out. Adoga got some reps in, got some extra time there. So that'll help with the depth uh, situation there. But yeah, it, it, he was definitely out there. It was good to see. And, uh, you know, he like I said, he looked pretty good out there. So this Le'Veon Bell guy who we have established is pretty good had another good day today, and apparently he decided to do a little gum-flapping Jamal Adams style. Yeah, he he was out there running around. You know, it's funny, too, because you've seen him get a lot more touches in practice over the last week or so. And, the, you know, he's obviously he's not getting uh, – he's not going to get any reps in the preseason. They're going to hold him out. So they're giving him more reps now. They're getting it in now in practice – and also, there's. I talked yesterday about how there's been some contact, but not a lot of contact. Well, pretty much all the contact is when Le'Veon Bell is running, and it's because Le'Veon Bell wants it. Le'Veon Bell is inviting it. <clears throat> um, he's going down. He's covering the ball and lowering his shoulders to go into hits. He's told some of the defensive players. Uh, Jamal and Mosley, you know, guys he trusts to hit him and hit him right. Like, go ahead, give me a little something extra. Like, I, I want to feel the, the brunt of your hit. I need to start getting used to that. So he's been inviting that. But he, he caught a – had a beautiful play on a wheel route. Uh, he made a bunch of really nice runs. Just – I can't explain to you watching up close the how sharp his cuts are. 
it's just like it doesn't make sense to me how somebody his size can just move in and out of cuts like that the way he does and like he he does this thing where it's like almost matrix style slow down and but then like almost simultaneously just takes off like a rocket and it's just so much fun to watch Speaking of fun to watch, I hear this Darnold fella is fairly fun to watch, especially when he's throwing beautiful passes to the likes of Ryan Griffin and Quincy Inunua. One pass in particular that he threw to Quincy Inunua, from what I understand, was a dazzler. Yeah, and you know, Quincy had, I forget who it was that was covering, but Quincy had him beat, but it was a, about a 40-yard post, uh, post play, and it was just thrown so perfectly. Just uh, everything about the throw was just textbook, absolute perfection. And just watching that ball sail through the air, and I never had a doubt that it was going right into Quincy's hand. Quincy caught it right, right in stride, just forty yards down the field. Not even I didn't have to slow down, speed up, nothing. It was just perfectly placed right into his hands and he just kept running right into the end zone and it was just absolutely a perfect just chef's kiss perfection beautiful play like a jet play like a jet with your host scott mason on the subject of sam Darnold, i wanted to bring this up chris we're not doing a mailbag or anything but somebody asked a question that i thought fits perfectly into what we're talking about now so i thought i would shoehorn it in It's from Thomas Schaefer. He says, Darnold is having an amazing camp from what I've been reading and seeing, but should we be a little concerned about the fact that he's working each day against corners who probably should not be on anybody's opening day roster? So I'll have an answer for this, and then Chris, I'll let you talk about it, because obviously you've been there to see how Darnold has performed, so you would be able to answer this better than I could in terms of how he's looking at camp. But I think, yes, you should be concerned, and no, you shouldn't. So here's what I mean by that. Yes, you should be concerned because you would prefer to watch him going up against real NFL-level starting cornerbacks every day. But no, you shouldn't because it sounds like a lot of these passes are so good and so perfect, like the one that Chris just described to Quincy Inunua, that even if Prime Darrell Revis was in coverage, there wouldn't be much he could do about it. Yeah, I I mean... Like you said, uh, a little concern, like I'm talking 5-10% concern, because ideally you would want him practicing against the best players possible. But you just mentioned Revis, and I remember when I first started covering this team, uh, the second uh, of the back-to-back AFC championship runs, I remember having a similar thought about the defense going up against Sanchez in practice every day. Well, that defense went out and was still pretty damn good. That It, it was all right. Like, yes, again, you know, just like a, a sparring partners in boxing, there's a difference between sparring with me and sparring with Floyd Mayweather or, you know, sparring with some low-level boxer. Of course, there's a difference there. And sparring with the top competition possible is going to help you out. But this is training camp. This is the way it works. And uh, what I've seen from Sam, it, it, it's he's just been great. And most of these throws that I've been ranting and raving about and everybody else is ranting and raving about, it doesn't really matter. It's just like that <clears throat> we talked about the throw to Quincy in the game against Atlanta the other day. That's a perfect uh, 
uh, description of what we saw. There was, and he had another one to Quincy today where he dropped back and it was like just a, a 10, a 15 yard out route. And I watched him go back to release the ball. And I was like, my eyes got wide. Like, what are you doing? I don't think this is going to work out so well. And Quincy slipped coming out of his cut because it had just started raining. And he still placed it perfectly. And if it was anywhere else, it would have been a disaster. That play against Atlanta, there was only one spot, like as an inch off either way, and it's an incomplete pass, but it was placed perfectly. And that's the type of stuff that we've seen out of him for training camp. Um, it would, again, it would always help to uh, practice against the better defenders. But I, I, it's not something that I am concerned about at all. Chris, before we go inside the press room, let's talk about the newest addition to the New York Jets, and that is linebacker Stephon Anthony. This news broke a little bit after we finished the podcast last night. We were able to get in the news about Dontrell Inman not coming here and instead signing with the Chargers, but the Jets did claim Stephon Anthony. It's an interesting player. Here's a guy who was very highly thought of coming out of college, the 31st pick, so a first-round pick in the 2015 draft out of Clemson. Washed out with the Saints, ended up with Gase in Miami, and then he ended up with the Atlanta Falcons at the end of the 2018 season. He got cut. The Jets put in a claim for him. Obviously, Gase saw something he liked last year, and that's why he elected to claim Stephon Anthony. This is basically a guy who we know has talent but hasn't been able to harness it in the NFL. He may never be able to harness it in the NFL, but this is one of those why not take a shot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was a big fan of him coming out of college. Obviously, I so far have been wrong on him. But Gase and the Dolphins traded for him uh, when he was there. Uh, Gase talked about it today. said that, you know, he, he fits well in the locker room. He knows a little bit of the defense. Uh, things are obviously different because Greg Williams wasn't the coordinator there. But they had Frank Bush here with him, who was with him in uh, Gase and Anthony in Miami, so he's helping him with the process. Uh, Anthony played special teams in Miami, so they're thinking he could probably help out there and just be an extra piece, uh, a depth option there. So obviously they got to get him up to speed and make sure that he can get up to speed and with everything. But it's a, it's a, you know, somebody that Gase is familiar with, Frank Bush is familiar with. And uh, they're going to bring him along. Obviously, it's not somebody that's going to be starting and replacing Avery Williamson or anything like that. But he's a depth piece that can help on special teams. And Gase really likes what he can help and bring to this team. So we'll see. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's go inside the press room. We will start with Adam Gase, who spoke before practice again today. What do you have to say? We'll start with injuries. Uh, Coleccio Semele, Brian Winters, Jeff Smith were uh, doing some work stuff. Uh, not team drill stuff, but they were doing some work. Um, Blake, Blake Cashman also was participating in some team drill stuff, so he was back as well. Again, he talked about Stefan Anthony. And then a, a lot of uh, everything else was – uh, talking about Greg Williams and the way he holds people accountable, importance of C.J. Mosley and the strong locker room culture, stuff that you've heard before. Uh, he did talk a little bit more about Darnold and 
an extension of the throw that we were talking about yes or that I was just talking about too but with Quincy and then the throw to Quincy against Atlanta um about how like people sometimes perceive a quarterback uh throwing off balance as a weakness and and Gase is like yeah but when you can throw it off balance like Sam then then it's basic it's actually a strength so cuz sometimes when you have a clean pocket, you never want to see that. Like someone like Eli Manning, we've seen this before. Uh, he's got a habit of throwing off his back foot, even in a clean pocket. Now that's bad. You don't want that in a clean pocket. And if you've seen Sam doing stuff, making off balance throws in a clean pocket, that's going to be alarming. But when you don't have the time or the space to set your feet, turn your body and flip, Sometimes you have to be able to make the off-balance throws, and Sam can do that, and that's actually a strength of his. So, yeah, and that, that's mostly a lot of the stuff about Bell, too, but we've heard all that stuff before as well. What about Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell? They both spoke. With Le'Veon, uh, a lot of it, mo- the most of the interesting stuff was really about him talking about inviting the, the hits in practice. How, again... He knows he's not playing in the preseason. He's not really worried. He, he, he's gone plenty of preseasons without playing and been able to pick up and, and just go. And this, this is something that's easier for a running back than any other position to do. You know, it's just see the hole, hit the hole. That it's, it's such an instinctual position that it, it, he'll be fine with that. But he's trying to get used to more of the wear and tear He's getting more reps in and practice than he was at the beginning of camp to get him into football shape, to get him used to being hit, being brought down to the ground, having the feeling of hitting the ground. Um, so that was that was the big thing that he talked about. With Darnold, uh, back to that Quincy throw, remember yesterday we said that Adam Gase said that, you know, it was one of the better th- throws that – or his exact quote was, I haven't seen many better throws in my career – and Sam was just kind of like, I mean, thanks, but, like, you had this one guy, number 18, that played with him. I think he made some pretty good throws, and he made a joke saying, I think Adam was just saying that to you guys because you guys were here. Um, but, you know, obviously he's happy to hear it. He likes to hear it, but he's he's not going to let that go to his head. And, yeah, a, a lot of the other stuff, he was asked about Le'Veon Bell again. Uh, but again, uh, we've heard a lot of this stuff over and over. One of the things about training camp with the reporters is, yes, you have us beat guys that are there every day, but there's also a rotation of guys who pop in once a week or so. So we end up repeating a lot of the same stuff with a lot of these players over and over again. One quote that I saw from Le'Veon Bell that really stuck out to me, Chris, and I have to say – Regardless of what your thoughts are on Le'Veon Bell, Sam Darnold, the New York Jets, the state of New Jersey, the state of New York, the United States, the world itself, this is hilarious. Apparently, Le'Veon Bell said he has nothing but praise for Sam Darnold, and he hates watching Darnold go out there to play when he's not with him because he just wants to be on the field together. Yeah, that's a bad job by me because I remember uh, hearing that and being like, yeah, okay, I got to remember this, got to talk about this on the podcast. I even had a whole thing set up in my head to open with with a joke about it. Uh, But, yeah, I blew that. 
Um, yeah, he he was like, I hate watching <laughs> Sam play. And he was just like, because I want to be out there with him. And he talked about, he was like, he, identifying, being able to see how special Sam is. And, and again, this goes back to the question that, that you asked from the tweeter. This is why I'm not worried about it. It's because of the little things. It's because of the subtle things that you see that not the, the casual observer, the casual fan's not going to notice his footwork, the way that he moves his body, the way that he commands the huddle, the way that he relays information across. And Le'Veon has just been super impressed by every little detail. Um, You know, the great quarterbacks you hear, used to hear Peyton Manning talk about it a lot. Again, it's the details. That's uh, Tom Brady talks about this too. Focus on the details, and most fans aren't going to notice these things. But when you focus on it, that's the type of stuff that you see Sam Darnold doing, and you see him doing really well, and you see him executing. And that's why I don't have a concern, and that's what makes him special. Um, Just going into his second year, still so young, uh, and you can tell it's genuine. It's the Le'Veon's not just saying that to gas him up or just to come off like a good teammate. He's really impressed by Sam, and also I get it because I'm really impressed by Sam. I have to say, as much as I'm sure that Le'Veon Bell is genuinely excited to play with Sam Darnold and does hate watching him out there without him because he wants to play with him on every play, it does kind of feel like when Terrell Owens was out there crying, yelling, that's my quarterback. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a lot different. Uh, no, you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> I, I know what you're saying, but like you, I mean, I don't, I obviously not claiming to know Le'Veon Bell really well, but it comes off incredible. It's very genuine and his face and his uh, reaction that you can hear in his voice that, and again, it's not like I'm watching Sam Darnold and being like, I don't see what he's seeing. I'm seeing the same stuff, and I'm blown away by it as well. So it's it's definitely a little bit more like that. And uh, as much as Le'Veon is a showman, obviously life's a gamble and all that, but his, it, when he's talking, his personality, it's not the same as, as Terrell, Terrell Owens there. No, for sure. And I didn't mean to imply that he was in any way disingenuous. In fact, I said otherwise before I set up the quote from Terrell Owens that he said about Tony Romo when he was crying and yelling, that's my quarterback. I'm just saying that that quote kind of felt that way in the sense of overly emotional. But I think that Le'Veon Bell legitimately meant it, and I can't wait to see the two of them play together. As you said, Chris, he had a heck of a day today catching the ball. I think he's going to be a tremendous weapon for Sam Darnold and a much bigger weapon in the passing game than a lot of people realize, even Jets fans, which is why I think you should consider drafting Le'Veon Bell in the top five of your fantasy draft this year. And if you're playing fantasy football, you should do it with those over at the draft app and draft.com like myself. I'm going to be playing for the $3.5 million grand prize in the best ball championship. And the beautiful thing about it is I don't really have to do a lot of work, which is good for me because that's the one thing that I hate about fantasy football. It takes so much time and so much effort, but not with the draft app and draft.com because it's a simple snake draft. You don't have to worry about salary caps or auctions or anything complex like that. And you don't have to worry about roster management. You make your picks and they will ensure 
that the best players on your team are playing every single week. And if that wasn't enough for you to sign up, here's another added bonus. Remember that $3.5 million grand prize I just mentioned with the best ball championship? Well, you get a free crack at it when you make your first deposit at the draft app and draft.com when you use the promo code PLAYLIKE. That's PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E. You use that promo code over on the draft app and draft.com and you will get a free crack at that $3.5 million grand prize in the best ball championship. And I would suggest that you go ahead and draft Le'Veon Bell and Sam Darnold together if you can because this is going to be pretty fun once those two are on the field together in real game action. It is not going to happen, though, in the preseason because, as we know, Le'Veon Bell will not play. But he will be in action at training camp tomorrow. And once again, we will have all the details about it Tomorrow it'll be the final time because it is the last day of practice where reporters will be allowed to watch. After that, we'll be able to do game recaps and obviously talk about the news and so on and so forth. But no more practice recaps because the media will not be allowed in. But tomorrow they are. We'll have full coverage. Chris, I'm looking forward to talking to you about it then. In the meantime, I know you've got your write-up over at JetsInsider.com. Why don't you go ahead and let everybody know what they can anticipate when they go over there, not only with that, but everything else that you have up on the site. Yeah, I'm actually three observations are done. I've decided because there's so much of it with scout team stuff, it's hard for me to really sit here and, uh, you know, pull anything from the practice. Uh, So I'm not going to do three observations during practice anymore. I'll do some more of that uh, from games, but I'm going to – Get uh, working on a, uh, an article about Brandon Copeland. Uh, I had some errands run after practice before here, so I got to get on that. Uh, but obviously, not just about Copeland being out, but about how they're going to go about trying to cover up for not having him, not having Avery Williamson. Uh, we talked talked a little bit about that in podcast, but I'll go into a little more detail about that. I have some more stuff coming up. What to what to really keep an eye out as they get into this third preseason game, you know, the what they call the dress rehearsal, what to really be looking for, what guys are on the bubble and will need a big game to really impress, uh, what guys, uh, you know, s- things along the, the, that line. And again, this weekend I'm going to look into uh, a lot of the other teams who, who might be getting cut or available for them to pick up, especially obviously at cornerback. Now we can look at outside linebacker, though I don't anticipate anybody really um, noteworthy being released there. <clears throat> so I'm going to dive into a lot of that stuff over these next couple of days. Go ahead and read Chris's very big deal work over at JetsInsider.com. Follow him on Twitter at CNimbly and at JetsInsider. Follow his deputy editor, Alan Schechter, at Alan underscore S-C-H-E-C-H-T-E-R. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.